I, I just I just can't get on board with that. I have some real issues with you saying sin is objective. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, why? <laughs> you know, I was like, the Bible says, and he goes, I just don't believe it's up for you to determine what sin is. I think sin is a black and white issue. I said, do you know what objective <laughs> <What's> means? <laughs> the question isn't, are we being changed? The question is, how are we being changed? All right, well, here we go. We are diving into something brand new at the Orchard, and we do that quite a bit. Uh, we like to shake things up. And so this morning, uh, I am in a room with our lead pastor, and we've got some new podcast equipment here. And uh, we're diving into uh, a new thing, I guess, some new conversations on the backside of Sunday. Uh, my name's AJ, and I'm one of our location pastors here, and I'm going to be kind of our uh, semi-informal host, I guess, for some of these. And so uh, just kind of excited to to dive into some of the deeper aspects of Sunday or get a little bit more out of them, I guess, because I know uh, when we're having our Sunday conversations, it feels like we only get 35 minutes, right? And you kind of get some of that stuff lost in the, in the shuffle. And so uh, for this conversation in particular, we're in our vision series. And if you've been around the Orchard for November, you know that November is the month where we get to hear about the things that God has put on your heart, Chip, as our lead pastor and, and kind of the direction that he wants us to go. And so uh, on Sundays right now, every location is hearing from you, whether in person yeah. or on video. And so uh, I'm excited to do that. But uh, it's good because today we have ourselves in the room, but we've also got uh, two bystanders who are here, uh, Michael and Chris, to keep this place from blowing up. Because here's, here's the thing. One of the things that we say to people all the time sometimes jokingly tongue-in-cheek from stage, but maybe has a little bit of truth to it, is if we recorded our Tuesday meetings, which is where all the sermon planning happens, we may we may not have jobs, right? Yeah, you know, there's a reason that this equipment is in my office and not in the room where we do our sermon yeah. planning meetings, but it is. It's good to kind of get a, a deeper idea uh, about what we've been talking about on Sundays because, uh, you, you know, there's a lot of things that always get left unsaid on Sundays, not because they're not important, but because we only have a limited amount of time. And so doing something like this maybe helps us keep that conversation going uh, a little bit and kind of dig deeper into some things that maybe are more nuanced or maybe just that the average person who shows up on Sunday morning really doesn't care about a whole lot. But if you're taking time out of your week to listen to something like this, you obviously care about it a little bit more. And so uh, it'd be good to dig into that. I also think it it is worth mentioning uh, that while AJ introduced himself as a location pastor, it's not because he's a location pastor that he's helping out with hosting this. It's because AJ's the life of the party. And so we had to bring some energy on a Monday morning to record this. So, hey, there's one guy on our staff who brings the energy. So that's where we're at. Yeah, my Enneagram people out there, sevens, baby. Enneagram sevens or die. Uh, if you guys don't bring the party, then the party's not going to happen. So if you're an, out there and you're an Enneagram seven, make sure that you bring the party with you everywhere you go. We need to get you a t-shirt that says, bring the party. Bring the party, baby. We love it. Um, so this series in particular, right, we're, we're talking about all this uh, spiritual formation and uh, all the things that that means and what that looks like. And I know in your conversation Sunday, you mentioned the word discipleship. And sometimes people uh, who don't have church backgrounds don't know what that means and all that stuff. And we're going to kind of get into all that. Uh, but I think a big piece of that equation is one of the things that you've been talking about is who we want to become, right? You're talking with the spiritual formation language. Who do we want to become? It's important to know who we want to be, you said in your message Sunday, because I feel like without direction, we're kind of just wandering, right? You don't really have a target you're aiming at, and so you're not sure if you're nailing it, you're not sure if you're missing it. So speak to that a little bit. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's good. I think that's really the heart behind all of our vision series is that we are in the process of becoming something as a church. We're in the process of becoming uh, people who look more like Jesus or don't look more like Jesus. And so that's important for us to talk about who we want to become 
come. And I think, you know, I mentioned it in person when I was preaching live in Lake City Sunday, is that, you know, I think the the idea is, well, if I'm new here, I don't really need to be here for the vision series. I'm not even sure this is where I'm going to be at uh, for my church going forward. But I think it's maybe even more important for people who are just trying to figure out like, hey, uh, do I want to be a part of what God's doing here at the orchard? Is this the place for me? Uh, because at the beginning of any relationship, you learn a lot about somebody by learning who they want to become or yeah. who they see themselves as in the future. And, and so really that's kind of, you know, my heart behind all of these vision series and this one in particular is who do we want to be? And I think that the idea for this series in particular is that we want to be people who are deeply formed. And we said this Sunday, we want to be deeply formed in our faith, life, and mission. Uh, And that's where that idea of spiritual formation comes up, is that it's a reminder that this is something that is ongoing. It is something that is happening, whether you want to admit it or not. You're being formed one way or the other. We said Sunday, you know, Paul says we're either being conformed into the image of the world or we're being transformed into the image of Jesus. So it's not, are you being formed? It's which way are you being formed? And uh, I think being formed spiritually in our faith, life, and mission in particular, um, and we can dig into that a little bit, is uh, really my heart behind this of who we want to become as a church, a deeply formed church. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I'm encouraged by that. So tell me, though, how did this show up on your radar, right? Like, because we say, and you said Sunday, even in your online message, and you probably said it from stage too, you said, I'm going to share some things that I feel like God's been laying on my heart, right? And so uh, tell us kind of what that looked like. How did you arrive here? When did this idea of spiritual formation kind of show up on your radar, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, so if you've been around the orchard any amount of time, right, you've heard one of us, uh, you've heard me in particular mention Tim Keller. Tim Keller yeah. is my guy. I love Tim Keller. I love listening to Tim Keller. I love reading Tim Keller. Uh, I really think that when history looks back on this period of time for the American church, like he's the guy. Uh, I don't think he got the credit he was due in his life uh, about the impact that he had on shaping uh, the church in America. Um, and this year, 2023, uh, Tim Keller passed away, right? He mm-hmm. had been battling uh, cancer for a while, got better, got worse, got better, got worse, and he passed away. So knowing that that uh, was coming, that his life was nearing an end, um, a biography was released uh, called Tim Keller, and it really just went through a lot of the influences uh, that shaped who he was as a pastor. It was written by a guy named Colin Hansen. Uh, so I picked it up and read it, and one of the chapters that really kind of grabbed my attention was around Tim Keller's um, heart for spiritual formation. And I was like, oh, that, that's an interesting word. What, is, what does that mean, spiritual formation? And uh, Keller talks about spiritual formation was really an intersection of a whole lot of the Christian life. Yes, discipleship is a part of it, but discipleship is more than just a program, more than just mentoring. It's this fact that we are all being shaped and formed spiritually. Uh, and one of the biggest influence in Keller's life around the idea of spiritual formation uh, was one of his professors named Richard Lovelace. And so uh, I went and started ordering some of the books because I'm like, hey, I don't just want to hear what he says about what this book said. I want to read the book. And so kind of digging into the book, it just felt like a fresh take on something that's a really core part uh, of every church and specifically the orchard. Uh, you know, we said that Pastor Eddie, when he founded the orchard, it was to be a church that made disciples, right? Specifically making disciples of the unconvinced, the unconnected, and the unfinished. And, and so discipleship has always been at the core of who we are, but it feels like that idea of discipleship, what it is, 
maybe has lost some of its freshness, lost some of its relevance. Yeah. And so maybe rebooting that idea around the more descriptive term of spiritual formation just became really important to me. And okay, so if we're going to talk about this, what does this look like? Yeah. And so just kind of it kind of ran from there. Kind of removes the ambiguity. If you're here and you really do want more out of this, probably a great book to go get, the biography, because uh, what impresses me the most about Tim is the way he went into such an unchurched context and just brought the gospel there. And so when you go to an unchurched context, you have to have some familiar language, right? You can't yeah. use unfamiliar language or else they're not going to understand. Nobody so. in Manhattan cared about being discipled at the time, right? right? So, yeah. But hey, spiritual formation, that sounds interesting. Yeah, Let's they understand in. the idea of conformed or transformed as they unpack it in the spiritual formation and all that. So uh, that's really cool. Maybe a cool book to kind of pick up if you really, really do want to go uh, that much deeper in these conversations. But I know one of the taglines for this uh, series as we talk about spiritual formation, right, is Okay, now even that might need some unpacking. So what does that mean? And you said Sunday, it means we move Jesus to the center of our hearts and lives. So speak to that. I know center yeah. is a, it's the core of who we are, right, and all that. So. Yeah, I think that's a big deal because like you said, it's, it, it is the tagline. Like if you look at the like uh, uh, series graphic that's on the screen on Sundays, that's the tub title or whatever. Uh, but it's not just that. that. That's the definition of spiritual formation is that spiritual formation is an active moving of Jesus to the center of our hearts and lives. That's the whole point. That's what it looks like. Um, and again, it's one of those things, uh, you say it in the welcome and takeaway on the online message every week is, hey, this is only a snapshot, right? We know that there's screen fatigue. You can only watch a screen for so long before you start checking out. So we try to condense everything. And we don't have time to say everything we want to say. Uh, but in person, I said, you know, I think that there's this awareness from me that everything in our life is fighting for the center of our life. doesn't matter how big it is. doesn't matter how small it is. doesn't matter how important or unimportant it is. Everything in life is fighting for the center, and it may be good things like your marriage or your kids or your job. That it, those things are fighting to become the center yeah, of your not life. Not inherently bad things. No, not and it could be bad things, right. but it doesn't have to be right. Like all of these things in our life, there's nothing in your life that says, "Hey, I'm just good with taking second place, sitting back. You guys go do what you do." No, everything is fighting to be the most important thing, and that's the world that we live in. That's why advertising agencies get paid millions of dollars to make you think this needs needs to be at the center of your life. Um, but if we're going to be talking about spiritual formation, the only thing that can be at the center of our life is Jesus. That That's the point, that Jesus would be at the center of our hearts and lives. You know, one of the things um, that in my head, and this is, again, a great format to talk about this because it didn't make it into the message, um, but in my head, uh, that idea of moving something to the center uh, has a very specific idea. So if you go into the Old Testament and you look at how God, you know, talks about himself, one of the things uh, that God talks about a lot with himself is the idea of glory, right? Mm. Uh, the glory of God, you know, and and that's kind of an ambiguous concept, I think, for a lot of modern people. Nobody has a glory but God, right? Like, sure, we don't yeah, use yeah, that yeah. anywhere else. But yet that term glory, uh, maybe a better translation is that it is the weightiness of God. And we've talked about that at the Orchard, right? right? Like, there's a heaviness to God and who He is. Um, but in my head, when I start thinking about the weightiness of God, the heaviness of God, 
when something is super heavy, when something's super weighty, uh, we know, thanks to Sir Isaac Newton, that yeah. it develops its own gravity, right? That's mm. why, you know, in space, the bigger the planet, the bigger the gravity, the more dense the mass, the bigger the gravity, pull of gravity. Um, and, and so what I think about just in my head, when I think about moving Jesus to the center is when we try to put something else at the center of our life, it just doesn't have enough weight to it to hold everything else in orbit. Right. When we put something in the center of our life that doesn't have the weight that's necessity to be at the center of our lives, our relationships start spinning out of orbit, flying out. Our jobs start spinning out of orbit, orbit flying out. Uh, all of these things in our life, just they, they can't hold. That center can't hold yeah. because it doesn't have the gravity that it needs. Uh, well, God, Jesus, God in person, uh, Jesus is the only thing in life that has that weight that can sink everything else around it. Jesus is the only thing that has the weight to put everything else in our life in the proper orbit. So when we're talking about being spiritually formed, it's about putting Jesus, who is the only one who can hold the center of our life, in the center of our life. Yeah, that's good. It makes me think, uh, you know, you can put something there, and it is going to, it is, you know, your time, your energy, your effort, it is going to gravitate to that thing, right? But uh, it's going to be exhausting at some point, and it's not going to give you the life back that you were hoping it would, but with Jesus, the dynamic is different. He is, uh, yes, he, he, he takes your time, he takes your attention, he takes your affections, but it's life-giving. It's not life-draining in that sense, too, and so I think that uh, it's such a key factor when we talk about spiritual formation, and we talk about formation in general, right? Because uh, I think what you're saying in a lot of ways is that there's formation happening. It's either going to be spiritual formation or it's going to be something else forming you, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and some of that. And so I think uh, with that, though, it can be real sneaky. And like you said, some of these things, they're not inherently bad. Some of these yeah. things, uh, I think, maybe allude to what the author of Hebrews says, they're weights, they're not sins, right? And so we got to be careful with those things. What are some of those things that you think, what are some of those areas that you think we're really, really going to struggle with replacing Jesus with? Because the reality is something's already there in the center, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's not always Jesus. We'd love it to be. We'd love to say nine out of 10 times, 10 out of 10 times it's Jesus. But the reality is right now on on Monday or whenever we listen to this podcast, uh, on the backside of Sunday, we've realized something else is sitting in the center of my life. And so give us some of those those really difficult things that we're going to have to replace. Give, like yeah, some of those okay. tensions, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, all right, well, let me give one that's probably super specific and one that is far more general, but in that way, maybe it's a little bit more relevant to everybody. Uh, so the, the very specific one, right? Uh, what I see um, in my just seat as pastor, part of the community, a dad, is that for young families, families that have kids like school age and even maybe a little bit older, even a little bit younger, but really that school age kid, I think one of the things that goes to the center of your life in an unhealthy way is your kids. Mm. Right. There's this pressure that like we have to be the perfect parents and we have to do this thing right and that our kids have to do every hobby. They have to play every sport. They have to have every toy. They have to look. Man, do you see, go back to the 80s, AJ, and look at how kids like me were dressed when we were six versus how kids today are dressed when they were six. I was yeah. wearing tie-dye Ninja Turtle. Those are some and of my today, favorite TikToks. Oh my gosh. Right? <laughs> so bad. Um, but I think that nobody, nobody feels like we can say, no, my kid's not the center of my life. Right. Because that makes us feel like a horrible parent, right? right. But at the end of the day, 
Your kid was not designed to hold the weight of your life at the center, right? right? The center won't hold. I think we are crushing our kids by making them the center of our lives. Look, I think it is a totally healthy thing for mom and dads to say, hey, you need to go to your room and just take care of yourself for a minute because I need a minute to not have you at the center of everything that's going on. Um, and, And so I know that's super specific, but I do think... Man, that is a super hard area to say, yeah, I'm not going to let that be the center. Man, that's good. I think uh, it reminds me of something I heard at Liberty Liberty when David Nasser was our location pastor there, campus pastor there, whatever you would call it. And he said, I remember getting up on stage during one of the convocations, and he so clearly said this, and a light bulb went off in my head. He said, I want you guys to understand, I love my wife, and my wife is incredible. And my wife, she makes a wonderful wife but she makes a terrible God. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we do that with all these peripheral areas that are supposed to be in orbit around Jesus, right? But yeah. but we shove them in the center and we realize they make a terrible God. Yeah, I think it's, you know, um, something I heard from a pastor a while back is that I love my family best when I don't love them most, mm, right? It's good. Um, and I think that even now, if there are people listening to this who have young kids at home or spouse and they're thinking, well, maybe I do that, but I probably don't do that. I'm probably right. fine. And what I would say is... Uh, look at how much we sacrifice church for the sake of our, quote, kids or family, right? Like we need family time. No, you want to take a vacation. Take family time at lunch at church on Sunday. Or, you know, well, my kid's got a baseball tournament. That's great. My kid has a baseball tournament too, but we make sure that we structure it in such a way that we don't lose the center, right? And that's the the thing. It's not that it's not important. It's not that it's not close to the center, but if it ever gets in the center, it just can't hold. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up baseball first because I didn't want to be the bad guy there. But uh, Look, I I'll do it. I coach these kids. It's <laughs> such a great example of it. I, and uh, even at the summer camp we were at with the students this year, you know, Clayton King, he was preaching and he said, here's the problem. We've basically turned travel ball into a God or baseball into yeah. a God, sports into a God. And now what parents are doing is they're coming to me and they're saying, Clayton, Clayton, fix my kid, fix my kid, fix my kid. And I'm saying, no, you had 18 years to shepherd that kid, right? And you decided to stick something else in the middle of the formation that wasn't spiritual, and now we're trying yeah. to backtrack and we're panicking and you see the turmoil. But I don't think it's that with just travel ball. I think it's a no, lot of areas. No, you life, just right? see the center doesn't hold, right? right? Just the center doesn't hold. That and principle. I think it doesn't have to be travel ball. It can be any number of things. The, the point there is that we have to make sure that Jesus is at the center and you are pushed maybe more than any other area to put your kids, your family at the center, and it feels good. It feels right. But the importance, uh, the, the, the difference is, right, is there's a massive gap between first and second place. Yeah. I'm not saying your family can't be second place. I'm saying your family can't be first place, and there's a massive gap there. But um, I know that's pretty specific, so but before we kind of completely rabbit trail off, I think that the second area – um, about where we're really going to struggle moving Jesus to the center, maybe how we're going to see Jesus moving to the center, um, is I think we see Jesus move. We're going to struggle to see Jesus move to the center because the thing that's at the center is that this concept of freedom. And, and okay. what I say, what I mean when I say that is we live in a day and time where we have more freedom than anybody else has ever had in the history of the world. And I'm not saying that government's not bigger now than it was sure. in 1776 right. when we got freedom or whatever, you know, America. Uh, but what I'm saying is it's not just the government system of our freedoms. It is the 
amount of disposable income that a lot of families have now and the accessibility of options that people have now that I think there's no way that people today don't have more freedom of choices than they've ever had Mm. in any other period of life. And what I would say is that idea of personal freedom, of personal autonomy is one of those sneaky, very conceptual things that's at the center of our life. And maybe more alarming is that it flies in the face of how Paul understood his relationship with Jesus. Yeah, unpack that a little bit. Yeah, because you go back and you look at the epistles, right? When Paul's writing letters to church and over and over again, Paul introduces himself as I am a slave of Christ. I am a slave of Christ. I am enslaved to Jesus, you know? And so the idea was, is that Paul was free in Christ, but he wasn't free from Christ. Christ, And so he knew that he was bound to Jesus, that he was bound to honor what Jesus said, to be obedient to Jesus, to follow where he called. And so now I think when we feel those things in our lives of Jesus calling us to this or that, it's not, well, I'm compelled to obey. It's let me see how this fits in with all the other choices that I have out there. So now that relationship with Jesus, our spiritual formation, if we want to say it that way, is just one option among a ton of options, right? Where Paul was like, no, 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 there is no option for me. There is no freedom for me because I'm enslaved to Jesus. I'm a slave to Christ. I'm a servant of Christ. And so I think that one of the things that we're going to have to give up to get out of the center of our life, to get Jesus into the center of our life is autonomy. Yeah, It's freedom. It's, hey man, I'm going to be free in Christ, but I'm not free from Christ. I, I I have to do, I'm compelled to do what he calls and leads. Yeah, I think as we think about it, there are these there's these tiers, right? So you have the the uh, illustration of Jesus being in the center and everything's in orbit, uh, but I think there's also the illustration of these tiers, right? And and we've got to have Jesus as the top tier, and everything's got to funnel out of Him, not He funnels out of something else, or else we get those priorities kind of yeah. out of whack, like you're saying, and then we get in trouble uh, pretty quickly. But I know uh, we're having these conversations about spiritual formation, and I know here at the Orchard, we say all the, we use the language all the time, in, out, and up, right? And yeah. uh, I, I guess if you're new or you're new-ish, maybe you haven't heard that a lot, or maybe even if you're not on staff, because I know we use that a lot of times as, as staff. Yeah, I think it's more of, form, of a staff thing. Yeah, to form those conversations that we're having to, uh, to push those conversations out. So maybe speak to the lens of in, out, and up as it pertains to spiritual formation and and how we're kind of navigating some of those things. Yeah, I think that um, you're right. That's something we talk about a lot as a staff. Matter of fact, every one of our location pastors, we know exactly what we're talking about when we say up, in, and out. Um, But if you just have come to the orchard and not come for very long, maybe that's brand new to you. So uh, just really kind of briefly, I think that idea of up, in, and out is making sure that we stay balanced as a church, right? So when we say up, we mean things that are theological, doctrinal. We're talking talking about faith, a relationship with God, worship, like very Godward, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in is about our habits, our disciplines, how we live, our attitudes, our actions. It's really the practical things of faith. Uh, and then out is, is just what it sounds like. Maybe that's the easiest, right? right. It's out. We're, we want to live on mission. We want to be outward focused, evangelism, sharing the gospel, those yeah. kind of things, serving. Um, and so for us as a church, it's very important that we balance those. Yeah, speak to that a little bit, because I think one of the reps that a church like the Orchard gets, right, especially in our part of the world, is, oh, well, you got, if, if they're picking one of those three categories, is it, well, you guys are just an out church. You're just a yeah. showy church. You're always looking, uh, you know, seeker-friendly kind of thing. And 
Um, I think weird because the Bible says none seek after God, but go ahead. (laughs) I think you say this all the time. Uh, If you're here for uh, what we're doing, you're not going to be here long, but if you're here for why we do it, you'll stick around. And I think that plays a factor in our in, out and up. And, and so, yes, we might have a rep for that, but maybe dive into explain a little bit. I mean, this podcast included, uh, how we navigate the in and the up a little bit because I think yeah. you see the out. But well, well, so let me let me just speak to the out real quick. I would say that the reason we give more attention to the out is because I know that none of us naturally gravitate to the out. Sure, right. Yeah. The pull of every church is in, 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 in baby. <laughs> no church yeah. decides, hey, you know what? We're going to start dying now. We're good, you know. <laughs> and so I think we have to give a little more intentional focus to the out to remain out. And I think sometimes it feels like we are way outward focus, not because we have gone too far in that direction, but because just honestly, there's not a lot of churches that give intentional focus to it, right? So it's not that we are, when you look at the New Testament, too much outward focus. It's just that when you look at the average church, we're way more outward focus, right? Um, But we do want to make sure that we are balanced with not just out, not just out and in, but out in and up. We want to balance all those things. It was funny. uh, I was having a conversation with some friends who uh, are on the baseball team that I coach, um, and we were talking about food, right? And of course, we're just dads sitting around talking about restaurants. Have you been here? Have you been here? Have you been here? And, and, you know, the old thing about restaurants came up. You can have good food, you can have fast food, or you can have cheap food, and you can pick two of the three. Yeah. You just can't ever get all three, right? You you can have two of the three. And I really feel like maybe that's where a lot of our churches are when it comes to that up, in, and out. Like, every church focuses on one, right? And if you thought about it, we could come up with examples. Everybody has examples, right? Uh, Good churches focus on two. They're really good at two. Uh, but man, we feel compelled to just, we're not going to be perfect. We're always going to be a little bit out of balance, but man, we really want right. to try and make sure that we are hitting all three. Um, and hopefully people may not see it without realizing it, but once you realize it, maybe you'll start seeing it a little bit more. Yeah. And I think too, uh, I could say this, I think you realize as a church, what season God has you in, right? We just got done with the season series and and I think the seasons play a role in how much you give energy to one of those three things, right? Because if God's uh, given you the season of out and all of a sudden, boom, you have a ton of people, you're, you're shepherding, discipling, spiritual forming, spiritually forming, you realize, okay, now we got to take some of these people in. And so it's, it's always kind of finding uh, this balance and that's good. But with that follow-up question, and I think really and truly maybe one of the biggest pieces to Sunday, because this is one of those ends, right? This is, by all yeah. intents and purposes, we're trying to figure out how to marry the up to the end here, right? We're trying to figure out God deserves the worship, uh, and we are the ones bringing it to Him. So we're trying to marry those two worlds together. And I think for our culture, a lot of that, man, especially in our area, is trying to figure out, all right, I've got 18 to 50 years that have told me this is the way Hmm, that I should be reading the Bible. This is the way I should be studying. This is the way that God operates. And so you talked a little bit about deconstruction uh, in your conversation. So maybe speak to how that correlates to this series we're in right now, this conversation, and and really just kind of hit on some of those things and the importance of deconstructing. Yeah, sure. I think, man, deconstruction was a thing a couple of years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it became a very, in my mind, unhealthy deconstruction because, man, we're just tearing stuff down. We're taking a sledgehammer to the walls. We're just tearing it all out and then leaving it and walking away, right? Um, And I don't think that was healthy. And I think you see a lot of people who just have left the church and not come back, right? They're they're gone. They they deconstructed, we would say. Um, But I would push back on the idea that it's a bad thing. 
when it's done the right way. Because I think healthy deconstruction is essential as we grow in our faith and our spiritual formation. Uh, For instance, and we talked about this in the message, um, most of us know what we believe. Yeah. All of us have opinions about what we believe. We we think this, right? And, and AJ, you've had conversations where somebody wants to maybe push back on something we said in a message. We're right. like, okay, why do you disagree with that? Well, I think. Right, yeah. And that's when the conversation starts <laughs> to go off the rails. Um, but the idea is, is that we do all come with those assumptions of belief because grandma said it, because the preacher said it, because we like these people and they think it. But very few of us have ever done the hard work of asking why we believe what we believe. And so I would say that a faith that has not been deconstructed is probably unstable. And what I mean by that is is that all of us have weak points in our system of beliefs. Yeah, Um, We have things that we are very convinced about, uh, and we have things that we're like, well, if you had to make me make a decision, I would lean to this side. Um, But the problem is what holds those things up? And when it's one of those very important, no, man, this is really what I believe. This is really what I believe. Mm -hmm. And then, man, life hits you. Uh, You go to college and you find out this fact that you never knew before or whatever. And and it just wrecks that foundation. And then if that was what was supporting your whole system of faith, it all crumbles. Um, And so the idea here is, look, the Christian faith has been around for over 2,000 years it has never had a time period where people weren't attacking, swinging sledgehammers at yeah. it, and yet it has stood. So all of these, all of these, you know, attacks, questions, pushes on our faith um, that may make it seem like it's going to fall, they're, they're not new, and we've handled them before. The issue is we're ignorant of the reasons that they've stood. Yeah. Right? We're ignorant of the fact. No, there is a good reason right. to believe what we believe this about This isn't something this. somebody just pulled out of a hat and said, hey, we're going to roll with this idea for the next 400 years. Yeah, right? absolutely. And so I think it's important that if there are those places in our life where we believe something and we're not sure why, we I think we are compelled because of intellectual integrity yeah. to start questioning that and to look at it and say, okay, why do I believe this? Now, I, I said again, this live in person on Sunday. Um, but the good news is your grandma might not be as wrong as you thought she was. Yeah, you know, right, it, yeah. We're not saying that those beliefs you had were wrong. We're saying they're not going to do you good unless you know why you believe them. Yeah, I think uh, we. I say this all the time anyway uh, to friends, but truth is one of the most noble things you can search for, right? It is good to try to figure out what is right, uh, what is true. That's a noble thing to do. I think there's a way you have to separate uh, your own personal feelings Right from what is actually true, and that's hard for us because, yeah. uh, as we we know, social social studies came out and said, "Hey, uh, people are not intellectual creatures; they're emotional creatures. And if they're emotional creatures, then that means they're going to have a really hard time letting go of opinions for the sake of finding truth." And absolutely, that's where that none tension, of I think. us or at, are as objective as we would like to think we right. are. The one thing that we are least objective about is our objectivity, is our objectivity right? right? The irony of it all. Um, and I had, you know, man. Uh, I'm going to waste about 30 seconds here, but we had a series, we're talking about sin, and we said that sin is objective, right? It's not subjective. You don't get to decide what's sin and what's not. Sin is objective. And I had a friend of mine pull me over, and he was like really troubled. And he was like, man, I need to talk to you this week. I was like, okay, let's talk. And he said, I just need you to know, I just just can't get on board with that. I have some real issues with you saying sin is objective. Hmm. And I was like, why? (laughs) You know, I was like, the Bible says, and he goes, I just don't believe it's up for you to determine what sin is. I think sin is a black and white issue. I said... 
<laughs> Do you know what I, objective what's means? That, <laughs> what's that? Uh, the prince is right. I don't think the word means. Yeah, that, that's yeah, exactly that's what good. that was. And, and so, you know, no, none of us are completely objective, but I think that we need to, as best we can, try to look at what we believe objectively. Yeah, and there's going to be pieces to that conversation that are difficult, right? Um, but I think truth is good. It's good to pursue truth. That's why we did the whole We Believe series. Which, let's just say, not a lot of people are pursuing truth in our culture today. Yeah, they're not. They, or not Truth a, is under attack. It's not held in high esteem. Right. Well, I would even say they're not pursuing the truth. They're pursuing a truth. Whatever that's they good. kind of manufacture is their truth. And that's the that's the tension we're constantly wrestling with. And that's why the gospel's offensive, right? Because it says yeah. there's something wrong with you and, and somebody else has to fix that. And that's an absolute truth that we wrestle with because it may not be our truth. And so... Well, I think, you know, if, if you, again, you've been around the orchard for a little while, you've heard me say, that's why it's so important that we don't believe stupid stuff in other places of our life. Because we're telling people, hey, we believe this guy was God in the flesh. Right. He died, was buried for three days, came back to life, and then 40 days later took an invisible elevator to heaven. Okay, you just pushed in a lot of blue chips right, right. there. Yeah, so <laughs> so we need to show in other areas of our life that we just don't believe a lot of stupid right. stuff. Like We believe this not because we're prone to believe crazy things, but because we believe this is objectively true. Right. And so I think that's why it's so important that Christians chase truth pursue truth hard. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So you have the deconstructing piece, and that, that really comes from, hopefully, an honest and sincere place that allows you to reevaluate where you're at. But then you also have, uh, I think your analogy was great, we just tore this room apart, right? And what happens next is crucial. And I think it's the reconstruction piece. Are you willing to reconstruct after you've deconstructed? Because I think uh, what was so harmful to this deconstruction movement is everybody was willing to swing a sledgehammer, but nobody was willing to go grab some concrete mix and start building yeah. new blocks, right? And so uh, speak to maybe how important that reconstruction piece is. On yeah, the for sure. Uh, swinging a sledgehammer is fun. Laying tile is terrible, right? Yeah, like, man, it's right. just like, it's not fun. But man, full circle that spiritual formation. Yeah. That is that we cannot leave our faith just sledgehammer destroyed crumpled on the ground. We have to pursue the building and forming of our faith. And the whole point of the message Sunday was we do that through a clear conviction that this is what the Word of God says. Yeah. And there's going to be places that we disagree on what the Word of God says. And I think that we have to have a generous orthodoxy there and leave room for that, for places where we genuinely disagree on how we interpret and understand Scripture. So right there, you said generous orthodoxy. For somebody who's listening, they're like, I tried this podcast, they have no idea what orthodoxy is. Unpack that. Yeah, orthodoxy is just, hey, this is within the bounds of what is generally accepted in Christianity. Like, there are things that we disagree on because there is like, no, I can see that. You got that from Scripture. I I think you're wrong, to be clear. I think you're wrong. But I see where you got that from, and so we can leave room for that. And hopefully those are the tier three, tier four things. Yeah, I would even say tier two things, to be honest with you. Like, I think that, you know, there are things that we just have to leave room that we may be wrong about. You know, I don't think any of us are going to get to heaven and Jesus be like, hey, see this guy over here? He nailed it. All of you other guys, you were all wrong. But this guy, you know, no, we're all going to have places that we don't quite get it. Um, But that doesn't mean that we don't base our understandings, belief, our formation of faith on the clear understanding of the Word of God. Let's move from, I think to my understanding of Scripture is. Is, yeah. Because Scripture is, man, Scripture is from God. Scripture is illuminated by God. And so uh, even with that, it's not just this thing we're blindly following. It's a gift from God who He said, hey, right. here's the roadmap. It's laid out. I've given it to you. You know, lean into that. Um, but I guess real quick of that reconstruction thing, because I know we're kind of getting a little bit uh, long here, but 
give me give me the tier one thing because I'm listening and I just kind of hopped on this and I'm not really sure. And you're talking about tier two and tier three and all these different beliefs that I can negotiate on. Give me the one thing that should be at the center of reconstruction. So I think that at the center of reconstruction, let me give you two things okay. uh, that need to be at the center of reconstruction. Number one is the resurrection of Jesus. If Jesus died and three days later rose from the dead, and then you find out that he had predicted he would do it before yeah, it happened. I called a shot. That changes everything, yeah. right? That opens us up to the supernatural. That opens us up to, man, this guy really knew what he was talking about. This guy it was different. So I think, number one, the resurrection of Jesus. And let's just say, if the resurrection of Jesus could be historically disproven, it would have already happened. Sure. Because they've been trying for a while. Uh, the second thing is, uh, and I would hold these as like 1A, 1B, um, is the reliability of the Word of God, right? And so what I would say is this, the Bible correctly understood is infallible and, and inerrant. Those are different. Infallible means that it is infallible. It does not fail in its teachings on faith and practice and that when it is correctly understood, and we say correctly understood, we mean understanding the languages, understanding the context, understanding the genre of literature. Some of the Bible is never meant to be taken literally. Um, I think when we correctly understand it, it's also without error. And again, if the Bible could have been disproven, it would have been. And there are a lot of people who have like, oh, gotcha, and they think they found a mistake in the Bible, right. only to have articles and books and essays written on, no, you just didn't understand it correctly. Yeah, that's good. I think uh, if you're looking for more on that, too, we have a uh, on our website an archive of our sermons and on Facebook, too. You can go kind of check out some of that yes, We Believe Lord. series. We Believe, and, yeah. Um, it has some of that information in there as well. But that's really good. I think... Uh, the deconstruction huge, the reconstruction huge, especially as we consider uh, the spiritual formation. But we're going to look ahead to next week, right? Because uh, this week we talked about being formed uh, spiritually, right? And we're going to keep talking about that. But this this week in particular, we're talking about being formed in life. Yeah. Um, and so maybe speak to that a little bit. Give us a teaser of what's coming on uh, well, the Well, so it, we're recording this on Monday morning, which means uh, it's still a work in progress, but I know generally where I want to go this week and where I feel like God's leading in, in that idea of spiritual formation it is formed in life that is inward, right? We talked about up in and out, um, but I think we're going to look at that maybe a little bit differently than we usually do. When we talk about inward, we usually look at like spiritual habits, like are you reading your yeah. Bible? Are you praying? Are you t- serving? Are you tithing? Um, and I think this week, instead of looking at the actions of that we need to build in our spiritual formation, we're going to take some time and look at the attitudes that Scripture says we should build in our spiritual formation. It's good. It's good. I like that. I'm excited for that. I think it'll be convicting, <laughs> which is always good. Maybe. <laughs> um, and then obviously, you know, uh, at every location, shoeboxes are due back this week. Yeah, man. Week, so. I love Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes, and I think that there's not a person in our church who wouldn't say, I kind of struggle sometimes with sharing the gospel. This is one of the easiest ways that you can make sure the gospel gets shared. Yep. Pack a shoebox, send it. It will go with a gospel presentation. Where were we? We were at the uh, the network meeting, right, the yeah. other night, and the lady who was kind of heading that up just came and shared about how many people are impacted through a box, right? Yeah, a box crazy. that you pack by with Dollar General or Dollar Tree and the impact it has, and I think that's so cool. And so... Just a great another plug. Like, don't miss that. It's such an it's easy. It's too thing. easy. It yeah. is. It is low hanging fruit. Yeah. Right? And, and if you are going to miss it, if you're in 
Enneagram seven out there. You can go online and the you can back The good news is, AJ, <laughs> is that since you've forgotten, you can grab a box after the first service on Sunday, run across the street to the dollar store, and then come back and have it ready. Beautiful. You got one of the, it, one got of the perks done. of the Lake City location in particular. But because we're Dollar General people and not Target people. Look, everybody lives five minutes from a dollar everywhere. store. Branford, five minutes from a dollar store. Live Oak, five minutes from a dollar store. Man, we're here. We That's got right. this. That's right. They're everywhere. And then the last thing, another thing we really don't want to miss, this is one of the coolest things. Uh, I think that we get to do, because we say this all the time, we're one church in many locations, um, and we get to to do this together and really get to see that fleshed out. But it's our Harvest Celebration that's coming November 19th. Yeah, man. I think Harvest Celebration is so important. It's fun. It's a good time. I enjoy it. But beyond just the enjoyment of it, it is so important. It is our family of faith reunion, right? I joked on Sunday, you missed this. This was phenomenal. Oh, You'll appreciate oh, it. I said, imagine going to a family reunion with people you like. Man. Right? Like that is the harvest celebration. Um, but I, I think the biggest pushback I get from a lot of people is, well, I just don't really know anybody. That's why you should That's come. That's not the reason to not come. <laughs> yeah. That's why you should come because yeah. it is the best opportunity on the calendar at the orchard for you to like meet people that you go to church with. And let me just say, not that you just go to church with, but people that are your brothers and sisters yeah. in Jesus at the orchard. Yeah. We are a family that's and good. this is our time to be together. Yeah, that's good. I, I was reminded of the brother sister element uh, even this week. I was it was in Lee preaching. Um, it was just I don't know. I feel like God gave me a moment where he was like, hey, all these people you don't know and have never met before, there's a good chunk of them that you're going to see in heaven one day, which is a really cool thing. Uh, but with the Harvest Celebration, listen, you ever seen The Grinch? Surely you've watched The Grinch, right? A thousand times? Which Grinch? Uh, the the uh, Jim Carrey Grinch. Okay, yeah, I got you. I mean, so, the answer was yes. I just right. didn't know what you were talking about. Sure. So in in the Jim Carrey Grinch, which stays on repeat in our house around Christmas time, there's a scene where he is the holiday cheermeister. Yeah. Right? And they are shoving my man full of pudding, right? At the Harvest Celebration, we cannot have holiday cheermeisters if you guys do not bring desserts. And so one of the things that we're doing <laughs> that at the Harvest was, Celebration... Look, <laughs> we just started the transitions and segues like on a remarkably elite level with this very first attempt. So <laughs> well it. done, AJ. So bring a dessert. That's one of the things. We're going to have food, but bring a dessert that you guys can share. And I mean, don't just bring your, your C game, your D game, your E game. Bring your A game. Right? I had a guy tell me this week that if somebody offers you banana pudding... With mm-hmm. a G, the answer's no. Yes. But if they're making banana pudding with no G, the answer's make it, bring it, we're going to tear it up. Yes, absolutely. That's that's good. That is good. That's a good word. So bring a dessert, Harvest Celebration, uh, November 19th. Uh, and then also, shameless plug for this, Sunday, when you're in service or go to the Facebook group that you're a part of with your location, um, find that QR code and go ahead and RSVP and let yeah. us know you're coming so that we kind of know how much food to prepare for. Um, with some of that too, but that's a lot of the housekeeping stuff. I think great conversation on spiritual formation. Yeah, Excited to good see stuff. Uh, where we got, where we where we keep going. Any concluding thoughts or anything you yeah, want to share? Just I think that um, man, keep that idea of spiritual formation at the forefront of your mind this week uh, because it's not going to happen accidentally. We said Sunday, right? If you're going to be conformed, that happens without you realizing it. Nobody's ever transformed without realizing it's happening. That's good. Good word. Good word. Well, cool. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Episode, or maybe not episode one, but our first go at this was uh, a good time. And so excited to do the next one. But until then, we will see you guys at one of our locations. See you then.